Byron. Hey, Mirko. Is that how you pronounce your name? Sorry. Yeah, pretty spot on, mate. That's, that's pretty good. How are you? Yeah, really good. Thanks. How are you? Good, good. It's such a pleasure just having you. I mean, your setup looks pretty sick, but I had no, I had no doubts that would have looked that way. <laughs> yeah, that's why I was like, oh, Instagram. I can't use my microphone. I can't use anything good. I was like, you get much better audio through Zoom. So I was like, <laughs> oh, it's, it's um, um, yeah, fuck. Thanks, thanks for popping in. I mean, this this is a bit of a side project and sort of more towards doing what I like to do and uh, amongst the thousand things that I'm doing and involved with. And uh, you were one of the first people that popped on my TikTok two years ago. And Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Fucking I, yeah. A random feed was you, uh, Tim Cusano, uh, uh, Rich Pardo, which is a bus driver in Ireland. And uh, I guess... The algorithm was trying to figure me out, but um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and um, and at the time, I was doing a little bit of a podcast, but just about coffee um, as a live IG lockdown and getting people together. But uh, yeah, no, thank you. I just want to say thank you, rambling for nothing. But honestly, I love your oh. work. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for inviting me on. I'm always always open to going on shows and meeting people. It's you know, it's a great opportunity. One day when this evolves, we'll get you we'll get you on a plane to Melbourne and we'll, we'll do it in person. I love that. 100%. Well, I'm, I'm hoping to come to Melbourne quite a bit more frequently over the next kind of two years. Yeah. Um, even kind of half live there. We want to start opening our events in Melbourne. So I'll be back and forth kind of. Um, so, and I want to launch my program probably in a year in, in Melbourne as well. So it's definitely an area I want to be in. We'd love to. Yeah, we'd love to join when you come down for sure, man. Um, Sounds great. Yeah. I think a good place to start would be just sort of what was the purpose behind pushing you to start uh, Driven Young? Yeah, so for me, um, you know, when I finished high school, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I, I kind of wanted to be a filmmaker, but I wasn't sure what the next steps were. So I started making videos and, and when I was 11 years old, um, and then I, I had so much fun doing my first one and I made more. And when I say videos, I mean like lightsaber fights, gun battles between my friends, James Bond films, you know, whatever we could make. And um, I kind of carried that over into high school. I started doing music videos for a music teacher. I got a part-time job working, um, filming dance concerts. Um, so I was in that space and I knew I wanted to go into video and media, but I just couldn't see the value in spending three years studying. I was like, I, I love what I'm doing. And I also really... To be honest, a part of me, I was so bad and I hated the exam so much. The idea of going back to doing that for another three years was so sickening to me. And I was like, I just need to take at least one year to like f find another way. <laughs> and so I did that and I landed a job with a guy called Glenn Carlson who runs a company called Dent Global or Key Person of Influence. And basically my job was to follow him, follow him around making videos kind of like Gary Vee style. And because of that, I got to attend all of his business events for free. And I was usually the youngest in the room by at least a decade, maybe even two. And all these people would come up to me afterwards. They're like, I wish I had this when I was your age. Like, this is such valuable stuff you're learning. And the stuff I was learning was all about building a personal brand. Um, so the key person of influence in your industry. And so writing, you know, how to write a book, how to, you know, put out content, how to develop your product, blah, blah, blah. And um, yeah, then when I took a pod, I spoke at a podcast conference about video and that made me realize how cool podcasting was in 2019. 
2018, and that led me to start the podcast in 2019, um, kind of focus around what we should be learning in school. Because I started having conversations with people talking about what we learned in school and everyone seemed to agree unanimously. Yeah, a lot of what we learn isn't that relevant. So I went, okay, maybe I can, you know, use this to grow my personal brand and also provide value to young people. And it kind of all fit together using my video skills. I can market it, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, you've done a fantastic job because obviously a lot of young people are listening and watching you every single day. Uh, no, that's fantastic. Relatable and interesting because that comment, I've heard my, like AJ, one of the guys that work very closely to me, it's something that he says quite a lot to the, I guess, part of the, the team who is more on the younger side, the early 20s. And, the, you know, he says that to them. I was like, I wish when I was 20, I would have mm. certain opportunities. It's very interesting. I mean, why is it so daunting to have this idea of growing up, quote unquote, as a young person? Is it daunting growing up? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think because there's a lot of uncertainty, which people are scared of. I can't talk about this idea that like from zero to 18, you don't have much uncertainty. Yes, stuff happens, but you have the certainty that each year, you know, where you're going to be career wise. And like, I guess, based on the, the success train. So it's like, you know, in year seven, you know, you, you'll be in year eight and then year nine and then year 10. But as soon as you turn 18, you get hit with something you can drink. You're starting to date. And the most important thing is you've got to decide what you're doing because for the past 18 years, the world has told you what to do, go to school, do this. And now you've got this decision to make. And so a lot of people freak out. They just follow what their friends are doing, what the parents want them to do, what the teachers want them to do. And they often go down the wrong path and end up not realizing until they're kind of 25, 30 in some cases, some cases even worse, even later in life. So yeah, it is, I could say it's a bit of a, you know, the perfect storm. You get hit with a lot of different moving parts. Um, obviously COVID has added to that storm. It's just a lot of uncertainty in the world for young people right now, which I think is creating a lot of angst to how they're feeling about their future. Yeah. And it's so, I, it, it drives me crazy in the sense of, I didn't go to uni um, and I almost gave my mother a second heart attack because she's a teacher uh, back home this in Italy. Um, and I've heard the whole, well, as long as you don't treat this as a hotel and a restaurant, then yeah, sure, no worries. But obviously she was bitter about the choice. For me, maybe it was my, me being an ENFP uh, personality type that pushed me towards the, this. I was scared of the idea of closing all these doors and just go for one. But now in hindsight, I'm thinking even more, the world is moving at such a fast pace Then you know, you're 18 and you're forced to choose what to do, but the world is constantly changing. So you might be starting a technology that's going to be obsolete in three, mm. five years by the time you graduate. And I think it's, yeah, it's a bit of a, well, actually while we're here, I think I had a question, which was, um, yeah, if you were actually to be the education minister, what would be the first change you would make in the school system? Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> That's a tricky one because I have a lot of different things. Oh, you can go to be it. honest, well, I mean, a, a few things I would change in the school system. I would definitely p put a much lower focus on marks. Are we talking about primary or, or secondary? I would say secondary, but either yeah. way. Yeah. Well, I would definitely lower the importance of marks in secondary school, especially before senior school. I would give a lot more time to focus on creative projects um, that aren't marked and are just more like you know, you can present them to the class or whatever. 
um, and just, you know, really give a lot more time for young people to be creative um, and less rigid and structured. I would definitely introduce a money and finance section, talk about, you know, compounding interest, um, basic investing skills. Honestly, you don't have to get that much into investing. Just get them excited about it and understand that they can do this. They don't have to be someone special to be financially free and the power of delayed gratification. I definitely add communication section. That's the number one life skill employers looking for right now. So it's a skill that I think we should be able to be developing beyond just uh, an English speech, a three minute English speech that we read from our palm cards, but like how do we communicate effectively? Um, and career guidance needs to be massively up there. Um, you know, career guidance beyond just having a career advisor who has a book and kind of can point at stuff. Um, so I definitely think just talking about important life skills, kind of the stuff I focus on the podcast would be what I'd add. If I was to choose one thing, it might be the creativity thing because creativity kind of leans into a lot of the other stuff. So really just focus on creativity more, give kids more space where they can be creative. You don't have to give them, you know, a structured assignment, give them, you know, give them a whole period to go take photos and they can kind of take photos, whatever their interpretation of that is, um, create art, whatever their interpretation it is. And um, I think that's really important. Yeah, the two biggest for me that you said that stand out and I had quite deep thinking about in the last few years, definitely the financial one, um, as well as the marks. I think the scoring system creates the, 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 com the comparisons, creates the competition, it creates this self-esteem. Uh, plus, you know, you're still already trying to figure out your body that's constantly changing and you're, you're figuring out life and maybe you have tough situation at home and the marks just, it's just the last drop of some for, for, for most of us probably. Um, and on the financial side, I have a weird theory, but it's like, it's almost like they chosen not to teach certain skills to not set ourselves for failure, but to limit the amount of people who are going to win massively. Yeah, and there's definitely theories about that. You know, if you look back at where school kind of developed in Australia, it was after the Industrial Revolution and they kind of spoke about how school hasn't really adapted a lot since then. This is a great quote and it's kind of one of the first things on my website. And it was like, if you were to go back in time, you know, 60, 70 years, let's say, or maybe let's go back in time, you know, 80, 90 years, almost 100 years. Let's say we go back 100 years. The whole world will be different. You know, cars will be different. The way people dress will be different. Our beliefs, what we believe. But the one thing that would be the same is the school system. Um, kids would still be dressed up in uniform. They'd still be lining up. They'd still be putting their hands up in the toilet. They're still sitting in a classroom with a teacher at the front. It's a blackboard with chalk instead of a whiteboard. They've still got textbooks. It's very, it has not adapted well compared to a lot of other stuff, um, which, you know, you could be an argument that the, the government has monopolized the school system. Therefore, there's no, you know, competition and reason to innovate. But yeah, absolutely. It's, it's just, it's absolutely been designed designed for a different world and that's why we're seeing you know kids are so creative when they're young and then they go through school and they come out completely different people it really crushes our creativity it really crushes a lot of self-belief as well um you know and there's a whole other thing to unpack there yeah and funnily but not funnily i've actually met an ungodly amount of people who actually are not in the sector that they study for. Uh, the thing is that mm, so from a foreign country, uh, in my country, we don't pay for uni. There's like a small tax fee and I'm like, it's, it's laughable comparison to 
the fees that I've heard, you know, the top university here in Melbourne or Sydney, you know, you pay a thousand dollars for the whole year, uh, based on, you know, the earnings of your family, um, and then the books, but that's it here. You might be mm. 30, 40, $50,000 in debt with the government, funnily enough. Uh, and then you might actually don't fall through with that industry. I actually know just one person close to me who is doing what he studied for. Yeah, I, I know so many people who aren't doing what they're studying, including almost all of them, the closest friends around me. They all studied something and they're doing something completely different. Um, and a big re- and actually, oh, I forgot the stat. I think it's one out of three drop out within the first year of uni, um, which is just a ridiculous number. And it's you know not necessarily that university is bad. It's more that they're pressured to pick something on a whim. As I mentioned before, they're like, oh, I'm 18. I have to make a decision. I don't know what I'm doing. I'll choose this degree. And they just jump into it without actually realizing what's involved. Even the psychology in Australia is, it's so hard to become a qualified psychologist. Like there's so many hoops to jump through. And the amount of people I know who get that degree completely unaware that they need, they need a master's to be a practicing psychologist, which is another two years. And then to get into your master's, you need to like jump through a lot of hoops and only 10% of people get into master's. And it's like, they don't know that going in. They just go, oh, I want to be a psychologist. I'll just study psychology. And you know, that's a literal example, the same with a lot of other degrees. And so it's, it's less, I think, universities and more the way we're pressured into picking something, which is where I really focus on like that gap where you're 18, you know, the book I wrote is called 18 and lost. So are we. And so it's like, that's the real focus I try hone in on. And I'm, I'm really a big fan of taking some time to figure out what you want to do before, as you said, you go 30, 40, $50,000 in debt. Yeah. And I've had the blessing to be involved around people who are still studying, who approached our agency to do an internship and, Ask the question, like, what are you learning? Because there were some basic social media uh, content and marketing elements that we find very basics, like the ABC for someone to, to work here. And they had no clue. And, I'm, and I literally asked, what, so what, what did you learn last thing that you learned at school? And oh, we learned how to set up a Twitter account. And I was like, oh, fuck, that's, that's pretty basic and not really helpful. Um, and then they were like, well, we'll learn so much more here doing this for two months rather than, you know, what we're studying. Uh, it's, and as an employer, it's funny because then I see the gaps and the cracks when we put up a job ad and literally all we receive is sadly 90% of the applications are just these dreadful, horrible looking resumes, uh, which have a, bunch of jargons uh, versus reading the actual job ad, which the job ad didn't ask for a resume uh, and asked just to write me two lines, you know, and for me already as an employer, I'm like, yeah, okay, you didn't read the brief. I'm not even interested in the resume, mm. which is interesting. There's a practicality that's potentially not taught. Um, and then you're lost again. You might be 23, but then you're lost again because then you approach the job market. Yeah. And that's where we talk about like critical thinking, like young, a lot of young people are just have no ability to critical, critically think because you don't learn it at school. If anything, it nerfs it. Like it, it squashes it. It says, here's the box you have to fit within it. And as you mentioned, like critical thinking is like, okay, problem solving. How do I, you know, come up with ways around this and everything. And I think 
that is probably a reason you're seeing a lot of people who just applying like that. And it, I, I talk about how easy it is to stand out as a young person. Like it's so easy to stand out. You don't have to do a hell of a lot. Just kind of go, go above and beyond what's do more than is asked of you. Put yet, you know, be confident, put yourself out there and you'll stick out like crazy because most people aren't exactly as you mentioned. The best job application came from someone who just turned 18 and they were still in high school. It was one of the best emails that I've ever received to date. But then mm. I got to meet this person. I was like, okay, this person is quite unique in herself. So, but that was the, the rarity out of the bucket of many applications that we receive constantly. And yeah, that critical thinking is pretty interesting. Yeah. But yeah, and I'm sure that you probably have met a lot of young people. And what, what's the first thing that they ask you when they reach out for help? Um, most people reach out, like if they're asking for help, it's usually, as we've kind of mentioned, I'm not sure what I'm doing. Um, or it's like, hey, I listen to your stuff and I realize I'm doing something I don't enjoy and I want to drop out or I want to switch, but my parents won't let me. I've had a lot of people say that. And it's really tough because it's like, well, it's your parents. Like, I can't, you know, it's, it's tricky. It's such a sticky situation to be in because it's like you don't want to disobey your parents, but then you don't want to resent your parents for the rest of your life because you're doing something that you don't enjoy. And it, it's like that whole thing. If you've heard of the experiment with the monkeys and it's like you've got five monkeys in a box and there's a ladder and at the top of the ladder are bananas and one monkey climbs up the ladder to grab some bananas and then they spray and like shock all the other, the other four monkeys who didn't climb up the ladder. And the monkey gets a banana and eats it and he's happy. So he goes, all right, I'm going to do it again. So he goes up again and the other four get shocked and sprayed. And so the third time the monkey goes up, rather than the other monkeys letting him go up, they pull him down and they beat up that monkey because they don't want to get shocked. And then they remove one monkey and replace it with a fresh monkey. And this monkey immediately goes up and grabs bananas and he tries to go for the bananas, but they beat up his monkey. And this keeps happening until they remove another, they remove another, they remove another. And then they've got five fresh monkeys who none of them, none of them have been shocked and none of, them, none of them have eaten the banana. Yet, whenever they try to climb up, they beat up the other monkey and they don't know why. And that's kind of how I view almost the school system in a way and like the kind of this perspective where it's like, just because your parents did it one way doesn't mean we have to do it the other. And for some reason, we're still following the system just because we're being told to, not realizing that we could just grab the banana and there's other ways to go up there. And it really frustrates me because a lot of parents, put, they put this pressure on their kids. They go, because I want to, you know, because I was told to go to uni and I need to go to uni, you need to go to uni because that's what success is. Successful people go to university. And it's just totally not the case nowadays. Of course, you can totally be successful going to university. And if you want to be a doctor or a lawyer or a psychologist and all these different things, you need a degree. But there's a lot of things you can do without it nowadays. And so, but most of the people reaching out to me are usually in that situation where they've gone, oh my God, I'm two years in. I'm not doing what I love. My parents won't let me drop. What do I do? The, the advice I usually give them is I say, ask your parents to defer. Say, hey, look, I'm going to defer. I just need to take some time. I want to travel. See if you can take a gap year. See if you can defer for a year. Take a year off. And in that year, earn the right to not go back to uni. You know, prove your parents that you're happy and that you can make a life for yourself without the degree. It's a much easier ask than just saying, I'm cancelling full up. I'm, I'm dropping out. So that's usually the advice I give to them. And probably if effective communication was taught to them in the previous years during high school, perhaps they could entertain the conversation in a very different way. 
Yeah. And uh, I mean, even with your parents, right? Like I've, I remember I was talking with someone and the way he got his first property was he asked his parents to go 50, 50. However, he didn't just ask them. He proposed them an entire pitch. He did all the work. He said, Hey, I'll do this. I'll do all the work. All I'm asking is you give me 50% so that I can get in and we can do this project together. And he actually pitched them this idea. And it's like, you know, that's a far more effective way to get parents in on it rather than just saying, Hey mom, dad, do you want to do this? And so, you know, it, it sounds silly. Like your parents aren't business people. Um, but you know, that is definitely a way of communicating with them. Oh, I think there is such a peaches are so underestimated. I think there's, I mean, you don't have to have an aggressive pitch, but I think, uh, at least if you get someone in the room, they will try to listen to you because you ask them to. And the pitch will just serve you the purpose of delivering the message the best possible way. You could pitch even a holiday destination for the sake of the exercise or, uh, again, dropping out of uni. Yeah, and I'm actually involved with a school that's um, doing that. They've got to create a product and pitch it to people. And they're going through this whole kind of like a little incubator thing. And it's really, really cool. I think the kids are going to get so much out of it. Um, it's just unfortunate that's the only school I know doing it and their principal's super switched on. He's really trying to make a change, but, and I get so many teachers reaching out to me. Um, I've probably had like, I don't know, not a huge amount, but I had probably like 30 or 40 um, who have personally reached out to me and said, Hey Byron, I'm a teacher. I agree with everything you're saying. And you know, cause they're stuck in the system and it's very frustrating when you're a teacher and you want to help people, but you can't, and you can't provide them the skills that they actually need that you know, they need because you have to, uh, you know, adhere to the curriculum. And the teachers are also humans and they're also navigating through life. And it would be so difficult to be within the system without accepting the system. Mm. Otherwise you're in a vicious circle where you are forced to smile, even though inside you're crying because you know that what you're doing daily, it's not really ideal for the lovely people in front of you, but you're forced to because exams and, and, and I don't know the system in Australia, but uh, you know, you have certain rules that they can't change. Yeah. I mean, it's really what do we perceive as success? And a lot of people perceive success as, you know, graduated, high income, blah, 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 all the traditional stuff. And so as a result, they chase for that. We call it the status trap. They're chasing for status. They want to, they want this because of status. They want this because of status rather than is it what they internally want? And do you think, Sometimes, or surely, it's a projection of the parents' insecurities. Yeah, sometimes. I definitely think whether it's the insecurities or, you know, often, I mean, usually, actually, almost always the parents are coming from a good place. They're not intentionally trying to make their kids unhappy. But often I'll see it like the parents, maybe either one, they opportunity to go to university, so they're trying to give it to their kids. Um, not knowing that the world's changed. And, and again, universities, most people are still going to go to university. It's just, are you doing it for the right reasons? Um, absolutely. I think there is probably a level of insecurity and it could be like a lot of parents want to vicariously live through their kids. So when they're at the, the graduation and everyone's saying, oh, what are your kids doing? They have an answer that's proud. Oh, my kid's studying to be a lawyer. My kid's studying to be a doctor, whatever it is, rather than, oh, he's not sure yet. You know, that's embarrassing for the parents which is just totally toxic and unhealthy. But I do definitely think that's an element of what's happening. I see university a little bit like marriage. 
um, me and my partner years ago, we were driving and, you know, we always say to each other, yeah, we're going to get married one day. And, and when they were driving and we'd gone to a hike and it's gloomy and rainy and I don't even know how we got the conversation, but luckily we're both on the same page. And then from there, we had other many conversations in a generic world where I wonder what would happen if you ask most people, why are you getting married? And I, we, it's, most of them might just answer, well, that's the right thing to do. That's the thing to do. Some, obviously, that would have beautiful reasons. And we are, I don't, you know, same with university. If someone chooses to go to uni because they want to, I think it's fantastic. Same with marriages. For us, we just didn't really have a, enough reason to answer to that question. So it almost seems, seems like that university journey a little. I think it's a great analogy. I think um, the marriage thing is totally true. A lot of people get married just because it's like what you do when you're, when you're in love, you're married. It's like, are you ready? Have you thought about it? Is it really what you want? It's the same university. It's like, that's just what, what you do when you graduate high school, you go to university. It's like, have you looked at the degree? Is this what you really want to do? Have you, have you spoken with people in the field? Have you, it's like, there's so many things. Why are we in such a rush? That's a big thing for young people. You know, you've got to learn to enjoy in the now like how you live your days is how you live your life there's too many people are caught up on living in the future when i get my degree when i get married when i get this 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 instead of focusing on just enjoying it and trying to just be grateful for what they have now mm, yeah well we definitely went the way that i wanted because i most questions were in practice is great um you're all about the youngins which is fantastic when I was 16, I actually promised myself that I will never become one of those adults. Uh, what pissed me off about the adults was the fact that the impracticality, the logic around complaining about younger generations, it made no sense because the younger generations are going to be the paramedics, the carers, the surgeons, the people who are actually going to literally wipe your bum and help you to stand up and actually take care of you. And we should actually do the reverse, be kinder to the youngest because they're actually the ones that are going to help us. Uh, and I'm great, like so good what you do. Um, what would you tell to your younger self though? To my, my personal younger self or younger people in general? Oh, your, your younger self. To my young, younger self, I mean, I would definitely say like, just keep going, dude, you're on the right pathway. But I, I think another thing I'd say is that if I could have got there earlier is um, focus on finding good quality people. Cause the first three years after high school, I kind of didn't really have anyone who was doing much. And I, you know, I, I looked around, but I didn't, you know, I tried to find ways to meet people. And I wasn't too sure how, um, but I should have put myself out there more and really made that a priority. And I think a lot of young people should make that one of the number one priorities in your twenties is to surround yourself with really good quality people, people that support your beliefs and their eyes light up when you walk in the room rather than just, you know, average people. And that, that's another thing we spoke about. Like it's very easy to tell when you've got toxic friends, usually, hopefully. Um, but the dangerous part can be friends who are kind of just like, they don't lift you up, but they don't pull you down and you just kind of sit there and they're comfortable and you kind of stay with them your whole life and you don't, they don't help you grow. And so really look for your tribe, really focus on finding your people. That's probably the advice I give my younger self. Mm. I'll give myself that advice right now, actually. 
so caught up with <laughs> everything else that I have. Yeah, my tribe has stopped growing. Um, but yeah, that's definitely something good, which is, again, something that they don't really teach you at school. So we kind of look mm. that. Something that was always quite... I mean, it's kind of... Sorry, go on. I was just going to say, like, finding your identity is another big thing. You know, like, figuring out who you are, what your values are. Again, that's ultimately probably what the, the number one goal of school should be. Like, who are you? What are your values? What's your identity? But they don't cover that at all. You, you leave school more confused than when you went in. And, in fact, I would argue you have to unlearn, you have to spend the next few years unlearning a lot of the habits and skills that you were taught in school. Like, you know, you, know, you don't look at other people. That's cheating. Well, in the real world, that's called collaboration and teamwork, and you, it's encouraged. Um, you know, and thinking outside the box and pitching ideas and all that sort of stuff. You've got to kind of unlearn that. And yeah, so you can see, I really, look, I do think there are great parts of school. And I ultimately, I enjoyed school, high school. I had good fun. Um, but if you're comparing it to like what the best possible version is, it really needs a bit of an update. Yeah, it's, I love what you said earlier, how if we did time travel 100 years back, uh, we definitely would almost find the exact same, uh, aside from shark, uh, what is it? What's it called? Chalk versus uh, markup. Yeah, yeah. Whiteboard, uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, that's, yeah. And the unlearning side of it, it's definitely something that hit the mark right there. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Fascinating to me was to see a lot of again, because I'm not from here, same-sex schools. And I'm sure that this probably would spike a large debate and I don't want to get caught in that, but it's very interesting because for me, coming from a, a reality where that does not exist uh, and hearing friends or, you know, my, my partner or something, uh, only girls' schools or, or, you know, Catholic, it's very interesting because it's like, again, the, the social dynamics, like, it's already difficult to understand humans like one another. Uh, it becomes a completely different game when it's a, you know, obviously uh, the opposite sex for many reasons, especially if you chase that. And all of a sudden, I don't know how that works. I always found that very fascinating and I wonder how that impacts society in general in Australia. But again, pretty large topic probably. Yeah, I mean, I went to co-ed and I'm quite grateful I did. I know people who went to same sex and, you know, there's always seems to be different different perspectives and stuff. But yeah, you've you got to think it's going to affect your ability to interact with the other gender if you are at a same sex school. So yeah, I think it's definitely an Australian thing. I know it's not done as much in other countries. And it goes above, it's not just about the obvious one, which is how do you find the significant other uh, but even like, how do you relate to the opposite sex at the bakery or at the grocery shop or anywhere really, which is, again, if you're not taught, then it, yeah, it, it would be a pretty big challenge. And then you're thrown mm. in and it's mixed. So, yeah, I think there's benefits and disadvantages to both. Yeah. Interesting. Um, look, I know you're busy, man. I think we just booked you for 30 minutes. So I don't want to hold you up too long it's late and i'm sure you i saw that you had a roof leaking so that oh yeah it's it's, it's stopped raining now so thank god for that 
<laughs> I hope you get fixed that. I think for me, I have one selfish last question and then more of an open floor question. I mean, what would you, what will be your top tip when it comes to the podcast? I mean, coming straight from you, who obviously run a successful podcast and what would be something that you learned along the journey? Um, I think be consistent, you know, you gotta be consistent and understand that there's so many benefits to a podcast, even if you're not getting listeners and downloads, like my entire life, everything I do has come from my podcast, the friend, my best friends, you know, they came through the podcast, whether I interviewed them or not, but like through people I met, um, the program I helped run empower you, which has been one of the biggest opportunities of my life. I met him through a podcast. So even if I didn't get any downloads, there's been so many benefits. My communication skills are much better. I'm very comfortable interviewing people. I'm very confident interviewing people now. Um, so there's so many infinite benefits without the numbers. And so don't get caught up in the numbers because there should be a lot of benefits for you. Um, a more practical tip would be to vid definitely leverage video. You know, I've grown my entire podcast and my brand through video. And that's been a very beneficial way for me to take long pieces of content and cut that up into small bites and distribute that across social media without having to sit down and come up with 20 or 30 videos ideas. You just sit down and do one podcast and divvy that up into a bunch of new ideas. So that's probably the immediate tips I'd give for a podcast. Thank you. And last but not least, what if tomorrow you went, nah, fuck this. I don't want to do this anymore. What would be sort of, a last online message that you would love to sort of leave behind. Say you say, no, I'm going to go off. Mm. Yeah. I mean, take the risk, you know, I said the most dangerous thing to do in your career, the most dangerous thing to do in life is play it safe. And so many people on their deathbed, they didn't regret the risks that they took. They regretted the risks that they didn't take. Um, keep, Keep focusing on living in the now. You know, how you live your days is how you live your life. Focus on the present. Take the risks and understand that it's your life. And ultimately, you don't have to listen to anyone else. Just really try to hone into what you want to do with your life. And if, especially if you're young, take the risks now because you're going to fail. And that's a good thing. And then you're going to pick yourself up and then you're going to try again. And then you're going to fail again. And then you're going to pick yourself up and you're going to try again. And you're going to keep doing that. And you can afford to do that when you're young. You can't afford to do that when you've got kids and a mortgage and the stakes are much higher. So leverage your youth and, you know, die with memories and dreams. That's what I'd say. Well, consider that that was not a prepped question, that that was quite beautiful. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, Byron, I close off with a compliment. Uh, you have a very good voice for a podcast and I'm sure you've heard that before. So it makes total sense. And uh, thank you again for tuning in. This was uh, a real treat for my it is a Wednesday evening, so I will love and leave you. And again, keep doing what you're doing. Love your work. Mate, my pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me on. All right. Um, thank you all for listening and we'll catch you on the other side. And I guess now Chanel will clip it and happy days. Um, yeah, thanks, mate. I really appreciate you. That's it's definitely uh, yeah. something that we are playing with and we want to keep doing it regardless of who, who is on. And again, you were one of the first people popping on my, on my TikTok, which it makes sense geographically. So, yeah. All right. Mate, my pleasure. Thanks for inviting me on. Take it easy. See you later. Have a great night.